Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Bookwell. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about what to do with the bonus. And maybe that's just a cash bonus in your paycheck, or maybe you're getting some sort of stock options through work. What to do with that extra bonus that you're getting? This is a question that we get a ton of yeah. current clients and even uh, clients that are actually looking to work with us because they got a bonus and like, well, maybe I should work with an advisor to help me figure out where to put it. So we thought we'd have an episode to give you some, some guide rails as to how to determine where you should put your bonus. But before we get into that, Alex, what are we, what are we drinking today? Uh, today we are drinking a porter. It's called the, the robust porter. It's from Rubens Brewing here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, it is 5.9%. And uh, Porter's not known for their uh, incredible bitterness. This is clocking in at 30 IBUs. It is your classic style Porter, right? I, I taste that chocolate that I tend to taste in, in a lot of Porters. Uh, it's got a little caramel flavor to it as well. Um, so a little bit on the, I wouldn't say sweeter, but it has a sweetness uh, to it. It's that classic malt um, flavor that is in a lot of Porters. Pretty solid Porter. What do you think? Uh, delicious. I, I don't know if it's just that I haven't like had porters in a while, but uh, like I've I've never been a huge porter fan or a huge stout fan, and uh, I'm gonna have to go back and and reevaluate that. This is this is delicious. Yeah, it's not. There are some porters out there that can be really really heavy. This is not heavy. Um, it's a it's a really well balanced. Um, from a, from a heaviness standpoint, there are solid porters out there that are on the heavier side and definitely one of those ones that you have like one and you're done because you just had Thanksgiving. <laughs> you feel like you just had Thanksgiving dinner, right? It's just that, that keg feeling sitting in your stomach. Yeah. This is definitely not one of those. So if you're in the Seattle area or if at your local uh, brew shop there, definitely check them out. Again, this is called robust Porter out of uh, Rubens brewing at uh, Seattle, Washington here. Yeah, so let, let's uh, let's dive into our conversation around bonuses and RSUs, Ryan. I think we always, when we're talking with our clients, it's okay. What is it? What's the purpose, or what's the end result you're looking for? Right, always thinking with that end in mind. So, if you just received a bonus, or if you got some RSUs, maybe vesting here shortly. What is it you're wanting this this money for? Right. Obviously, if you're looking at putting it into your home, right, you, you already know what you're going to do with this money. Right. <laughs> but bigger picture, is this money that you feel as though you need short term or is this money you think you're really kind of saving for the long term picture? So what's the purpose of this bonus and what, how do you want to use it? Right, Alex? Absolutely. I mean, if we if we start with the end in mind of what we're trying to accomplish, it becomes much more clear as opposed to how we wind up trying to use this or, or what we're using it for. So if you've already got something in mind, great. And at the same time, let's still have a conversation around like, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? And then that fits back into some of the previous podcasts that we've talked about where, you know, it's okay, what are we trying to do? And like, does what we're actually doing with money fit our values, fit our stated goals, fit what we're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So Start there. And then number two, right? 
once you know what the, the end result is, if this is money you don't plan on, on spending or using uh, in, a, in the short term uh, mindset, and what I, we mean by short term is call it within the 12 months, right? Right. If, if you've earmarked it for a project on the house or vacation or something where it's literally already earmarked in your head for, I'm going to spend it on X, then this what the exercise that we're talking about here isn't going to help. Yeah, and this is I want to make sure we we put this disclaimer out out there. This is not a conversation of whether or not you should spend the bonus, right? There's a whole conversation you, that <laughs> we probably could have in this in this form around like, okay, what does your cash flow look like? Should you even be spending this bonus? We're skipping over that. If you've made the decision that you're spending the bonus, great, awesome. If you haven't made that decision, you're wanting to know where to put it. Now it's the question of, okay, first and foremost, like any other financial advisor would probably tell you, now they might define it differently, but they would tell you, make sure you have some sort of emergency fund or emergency reserve, right? right. So what do we have sitting in savings? If you just exhausted your savings, putting this money in savings may not be a bad idea, depending on the dollar amount of the bonus or the amount that's vested. Or if you're trying to work up towards a savings goal or you know build more, this is an easy way to, you know, in a snap decision, kind of lock in those things and make it so that you don't have to chuck any more dollars into those accounts that are maybe not earning as much as you would like. Yep. The other the other option is looking at how much liquidity or access to money do you have, right? So this is secondary to emergency fund. Well, kind of in coordination with the emergency fund, but it's a secondary step. Absolutely. Right. And what we mean by that is our suggestion is to have at least 12 months of liquidity available to you, right? Now that doesn't have to be all sitting in a savings account. In fact, it probably shouldn't be. But do you have 12 months of your gross income accessible to you? And this isn't an emergency play. This is a play of leveraging your assets. This is a play of opportunities that land in your lap and having access, accessibility to that money to take advantage of said opportunities. Right. And the, the next component to that is, you know, as one banker recently put it to us, that they were you know, earning zero point nothing in terms of the, the savings accounts and the money markets and the various different liquid accounts. So now the question becomes, okay, if we've got our emergency reserve already tackled, now where can these dollars sit and so that we can get better than that zero point nothing rate of return and at the same time still have it be liquid, still have it be safe, still have it be secure um, and so that there, there are some, some different places that we can go ahead and potentially put dollars to go ahead and accomplish those things. Everyone's situation is unique and different, so we're not going to get into the the details, the nitty gritty, analytical stuff that I love in this podcast. But if you have those types of questions, reach out to Ryan and myself, and we'll we'll help answer those for you. That would fall into for those of you who listened to our bucket talk episode, where we talked about short term buckets being your savings account, long term buckets being your retirement accounts, and establishing a mid term bucket. Utilizing your bonus to establish that midterm bucket is a great spot to put that, especially for liquidity reasons. And then retirement plans, right? So a lot of people, I think this is where a lot of people tend to lean is, okay, what type of retirement account? Can I put extra money in these accounts? 
And we're going to start with the caveat of you don't like, <laughs> you don't, uh, let me put this out there. For those of you who don't know it, you can actually retire without a 401k plan. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> right. I think somehow as Americans, all we hear is we need to put money in retirement plans. And it's like, we can't retire without one. And by the way, I'm not suggesting you don't have a retirement plan. I'm just making a point around the retirement plan is not the savior to your retirement. There's so many caveats that go along with these conversations in terms of like what your employer is matching, what your taxation situation looks like. And and so many people get caught up in some of the myths of retirement planning um, that it, it really is important to make sure that you understand how taxation works, how compound building works, what type of liquidity and access we have to various different programs and structures. Um, and, and again, this falls into that category of like not doing siloed planning where it's, oh, hey, we're doing retirement planning and therefore we should just find a retirement account that this gets shoved into. Maybe, but let's talk about what the what are the other possibilities? What are the ramifications, both good and bad of, of doing that? Yeah. So when we're looking at this, obviously you could put it into your work 401k, traditional or Roth. Obviously you could put it into your own personal Roth, right? Or your spouse's Roth, right? There's all of those options out there. Assuming that your work allows you to, some allow bonuses to be deferred, some don't. So you have to check with your plan to figure out whether or not you have access to it. Most of the time, the answer is yes, but then there's other questions in terms of like maximum contributions and whether you can do non-elective or after-tax contributions and like what some of the implanted service conversions are, whether you're considered a highly compensated employee and therefore you're restricted in terms of the amount of dollars you can put into your plan, that there are a whole host of different caveats and, and things to, to talk through with about this. One idea, as you were just talking there, Alex said, uh, where to put money and thinking out the box here a little bit. So let's just say we've got someone that can't contribute directly to a Roth IRA, right? We did an episode on how you could be a, the backdoor Roth IRA, right. or maybe you're converting, like you just mentioned, some of your traditional retirement plan money and paying the taxes on that money on that conversion. Maybe you use the bonus to pay for the taxes on the conversion. Absolutely. That's a potential way to do it. Now you need to sit down and work with your tax advisor. You need to work with a financial planner uh, like ourselves to help look at the insights and the strategies behind why we would want to do this or why wouldn't we want to do this? What are the pros and cons? There are half a dozen different ways to go ahead and accomplish this, whether it's inside of a qualified retirement plan, whether it's extra contributions, whether it's just simply paying the like doing the conversion and using the bonus to pay the taxes, there there are a host of different options in terms of how to go about uh, tackling it. Yeah, and maybe it's diversifying your overall portfolio. Maybe we're purchasing real estate. Yeah, right. There's there's plenty of options here. The takeaway from this episode mm-hmm. is really doing order of operations. Right. If you don't have a savings set up, it, you need, you should be putting the money in the savings. If you've got the savings set up. Do you have the 12 months of liquidity? If you don't, well, then establish the 12 months of liquidity. Once you have those two 
set up, then, then it opens up like a, the realm of possibilities in terms of order of operations. Cause then real estate comes into play, then conversions come into play, right? There's a whole bunch of options that come there. What you really need to make sure you're considering to Alex's point are what are the tax consequences, right? What's the poss- what's the risk appetite that you have, right? And this is where you're pu- when you're pulling your professionals together to work on that plan is when that becomes the most efficient rather, and we see this all the time, one professional telling you to do something with that money and not orchestrating with the other professionals in your life, like maybe someone important like your CPA. Or your attorney, or like you wind up with documents that uh, uh, disagree with how you're actually structuring things, like that there are a host of different potential issues. And the, the goal is to make sure that you're on the same page with all your professionals working in a coordinated manner. Uh, a lot of the time we actually see zero professionals and like, this might be the first time that people sit down and work with a professional because they're like, I don't understand this stuff. What are the options? How do we do this? And so then it becomes a larger conversation around, okay, well, what, what are you truly trying to accomplish above and beyond just this one component? Um, because again, we shouldn't be making decisions in a siloed decision process. Yeah, and last but not least, and we probably should have put this in here, and I, I just, we should have spoken about this here, Alex, but debt, right? We get the conversation around, okay, I got this bonus, should I pay off X debt, right? And we've had episodes around talking about time value money and, and really looking at what debt to pay off versus what you didn't. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely take a look at, to that, at that. But Alex, give like a high level, if you can give like a 60 second spiel, if you will, on how they should analyze whether or not they should pay off the debt or not. Sure. So paying off debt, so much of it becomes a conversation around whether it's good debt or bad debt. Uh, Bad debt is typically higher interest rate. It's typically non-tax deductible. Um, Good debt, low interest rate, tax deductible. Um, Consult your tax advisor as to whether certain debts are or are not taxable uh, or tax deductible rather. And then the, the next question becomes, okay, how is this going to affect cash flow? What is What are we ultimately trying to do? Are we trying to minimize the interest payments? Are we trying to free up cash flow? And so it falls into a larger conversation around what do the next two, three, four, five years look like? And how do we want to use these dollars to go ahead and accomplish your financial goals. And one of them is oftentimes living debt-free. And like when we talk about living debt-free, most of the time you and I kind of exclude for folks that are not within five years or so of retirement, mortgage debt, simply because of the, the, the real estate inflation that we've seen specifically here in the Seattle area over the last five to 10 years, um, like A, with where mortgages are, we don't necessarily want to be income or debt-free as far as mortgages. And secondly, it, it may not be realistic to be debt-free in terms of mortgages. So having those types of conversations is important, whether it like whatever, regardless of what type of debt it is. So interest rate, deductibility, and then what our cash flow goals are. 
Yeah. And to do that, I'm just going to add real quick and a quick example for this. You brought up the mortgages, right? So you've got a sub 3% interest rate on your mortgage and you're deciding, should I take this bonus and chuck it at the mortgage? Well, could you put that money somewhere else and beat a sub 3% interest rate with low risk? If the answer to that question is yes, then maybe you should consider putting that money elsewhere and not putting it at your mortgage, right? So that's what Alex was just diving into uh, there in terms of like, you know, within five years of retirement type of conversation. And again, so much of it just becomes like the conversation around cash flow and how it works and different different components there. Uh, and one of the things that we could potentially do is like people have this this thought process that paying off your mortgage means that you're free. Well, we can take a big pile of money and create an income stream that then pays your mortgage, and that may wind up being more tax efficient or overall more efficient from a rate of return interest rate standpoint. Um, And so functionally from a financial planning standpoint, those two things are very, very similar in terms of creating a cash flow to pay the mortgage versus lump summing dollars at paying off the mortgage. Um, And so now it just becomes more of a, a mental component of like, okay, are we comfortable with that? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, it gives us a huge amount of peace of mind to pay off the mortgage. And then maybe we pay off the mortgage. So real quick summary of today's episode, right? Like think with the end in mind, right? And do you have savings? If yes, okay. Do you have liquidity? If yes, do you have debt? Analyze that. If you set there, then look at retirement plan, then the kind of the world opens up to you. So that's kind of the order of operations when it comes to how to work with the bonus, which leads us, Mr. Collins, to the question of the day. Now, our question today is what it is that you've typically been doing with your bonus. And, and realistically, we're asking the question, how intentional is that decision? Have, yeah, we, have we thought about it through the lens of what is critically important to us? What, what are our family values? And, and are we honoring those values with what we're doing with it? So head over to beerandmoney.net. You can check that website in our show notes. Uh, and at the bottom of that page, there's a spot for you to answer that question today or check out our other episodes that we've had. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you. And Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice 
or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License number 1531912, CA Insurance License number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2022-132087, expiration January 2024.